everyone. Welcome to Zon in Canada. I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge. Uh, joining me this time around uh, is our uh, good friend, Aaron Dearden. Aaron, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> Hi there, Jesse. Thanks for having me back. So, uh, yeah, it's been an extended hiatus. I do apologize for that. I think this has been our uh, longest hiatus yet. Uh, and I do have a reason. It's because I had a, uh, as as many others have, I've had a, a, a awful throat infection uh, for oh. over three weeks. Uh, and it still hasn't completely gone away. I still have a bit of a cough. Um, and that really does suck when you both do a podcast and work in a call center. Uh, but I've, uh, I've, I've got, I've pulled myself together, uh, enough for the most part, uh, and I can finally, um, fi- finally get on with the show. Uh, so thanks for your patience, everyone. Uh, Aaron, how, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm pretty good. I've, I've been in similar straits the last few months. I was sick in December and January, uh, both of which cut into my recording and editing times for my YouTube channel. Um, and I've still got a little bit of a lingering asthma cough after the fact. <laughs> yeah, even when you have, uh, you know, your, your, your own channel or your own show or some, some kind of, uh, some kind of income based on, uh, personal projects like that, getting sick is still gonna, actually it's gonna be even more disruptive than, uh, <laughs> than with, with other, with other forms of income too, so... Uh, yeah, we're, 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 we're getting by at least. Um, so mm-hmm. this episode, we don't really have a particular focus, but, uh, we've been on a hiatus so long that I think a lot of, uh, a, a lot of interesting things worth talking about have sort of piled up, uh, since then. Uh, before we kind of get into to the meteor topics, Aaron, have you been, uh, watching any, uh, anime lately or even just other things as well? Uh, well, I haven't watched a whole lot of full series, but I generally don't anyway, so that's mm-hmm. nothing new. Uh, actually, I think by that standard, I've been watching more than I normally do because <laughs> I've taken anime hiatuses uh, in the last few years. Uh, recently, I did manage, though, we're probably going to talk about this later, so I'll save the details for now. I managed to make it through all of Devilman Crybaby on Netflix. What what a, uh, what, what a trying task that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say so. Like I was being sarcastic. It's, it's, it's <laughs> difficult to not get through the whole thing. Oh, I thought you maybe you were talking about, like, the sex and the violence and the, the all the tit boobies. I maybe I, I guess some people don't like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know that some people would legitimately have a trying time getting mm-hmm. through that series. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. Uh, and, and I, I assume you've been you've been watching Pop Team Epic. Yes, I was about yeah. to say that was the, that's the other one. That, that's the other one I'm really keeping up with. There's some others I'd like to go back to and catch up with. Like uh, Violet Evergarden, which I think we'll talk about at some point, and uh, After the Rain, which looked like a gorgeous show. I've only seen the first episode, but I'd like to watch a few more. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. I checked out the first episode of uh, After the Rain too. Uh, it was yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty beautiful show. Uh, it has it's really well directed. Uh, I can't say it really grabbed me too much. Uh, like other people are saying, I, I know a lot of people were turned off by the show's premise. Um, which, yeah, I guess it is. I, I can see that being mm-hmm. seen as kind, of, as kind of skeevy. I think the execution has been good, but that's just because of the one episode yeah, that I've seen. Yeah, because the focus isn't on, like, oh, this relationship, oh my. It's yeah. just about, like, well, some kids have feelings like this, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems, I, again, based off the one episode I've seen, it's, it's, uh, it, it's mostly based on sort of immature adolescent pining, but, I don't know what direction it's ultimately going to go in, so yeah. it's probably, or what it already manga... has gone in, so. <laughs> I've been told that the manga has not gone anywhere creepy yet, so that makes me hopeful. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. I think it's, I think, I think I heard it was ending soon, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as they don't pull, like, a bunny drop at the end or something, then they'll be good, I think. 
Yeah, well, in that in that case, you can at least just pretend the only only the anime existed for that one. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and for Pop Team Epic, uh, you know, you know what? I actually, uh, I actually didn't like the first episode when I watched it the first time. <laughs> we were, we, we, I guess my my girlfriend and I watched it together. We just didn't know what to expect in it, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, doing the whole play the same episode over twice thing, uh, I, I guess it can kind of rub you the wrong way when you're not expecting it. Um, right. Uh, but, uh, we, we were, we were convinced to give the show a second try with, with, uh, with episode two and episode two just totally sold us on it. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it, that's where you, ha- you had the first felt animation segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are, those have been my favorite so far. I've been, uh, I, I, I love the, le- le- let's pop together. That's, the, that's my favorite bit in the whole show so far, for sure. <laughs> As it is for many people, other people, I'm sure. Um, I really want to see, uh, Uchu, Uchu people who did those segments do another one um i like to think that they're very hard at work at the next one and that the reason we haven't seen it is because it's just taking them so long to get it to get it just right <laughs> probably um, I, I i hope we see at least one more of those health animation segments um <laughs> before the end but the scene that really sold us in episode two was when it just kind of cut to that improv live action segment in the recording studio yes. and oh my god <laughs> uh with, with like the weird j-horror elements in it and and the funny thing is like if you're one of those people who only watches one half or the first half of the Pop Team <laughs> yep. Epic episode, you really missed out on episode two if you didn't watch the second half. Um, so if you only if you only been watching the first half of each episode of Pop Team Epic, go back and at least watch episode two. Uh, yeah, the I'm a little I'm one. a little disappointed <laughs> that they haven't done more with the second halves in any other it, episode, really, other than true. the different voices. But and th- and th- <laughs> th- that change in voice actor is really meaningful for a lot of people it who is. follow say, say you closely. Um, Especially when they do the songs. Yeah, yeah, and they and. You know they're doing the the whole rotating voice actors thing in the in the English dub too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I haven't really watched the English dub, so I don't know how they're handling like the live action. Yeah, so I'm, I I'm assuming been they able just keep to a... just because I'm not I'm not on Funimation right me, now. Me neither. I am I am very much waiting for Verve to, to finally launch in <laughs> in 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 Canada, so I can uh, kind of consolidate services a little bit. Um, yeah, I I but yeah, they're rotating between voice actors, which I think that's probably going to resonate more with people watching it. Uh, in English, um, I I really hope they get some some voice actors outside of uh, of uh, L.A. and and Texas in on that too. I'd love to see a uh, Scott McNeil and Brian Drummond uh, dub episode of, <laughs> of, of Pop Team Epic. And the, you know those, those those guys are both um, they're in contact with people with Funimation. They've used them uh, before. Uh, <laughs> Brian Drummond was in a recent episode of uh, of Dragon Ball Super as the the evil Mirror Vegeta, which was you know that's that's that's, that's some fun stunt casting there. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, well, well, so I I am anxiously looking forward to the rest of Pop and Epic, and I did pre-order the uh, the Nendroids too. So oh, nice. Well, those Nendroids really go with everything. They do. Uh, it, it it's 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 a good fit. I, I really want like the the felt dolls though. The, those would be <laughs> those those would look uh, really great on a shelf. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think uh, I think I'm the only person still watching Osamatsu-san right now. Uh, nobody. The the conversation seems to like have completely died on it. At least from yeah, from, from and I I can't really say much because I watched the first few episodes and really enjoyed them, but I couldn't really get past there because I kind of felt like I'd seen a lot of what it had to offer by that point. At least in for for me. Yeah. Um. Ep- episode. I mean, admittedly, season two. It kind of. Uh. It, it, I don't think it. It's never gotten bad, but it has. You know, it, it's gotten kind of, it has declined a little bit in season two. It's, you know, it's not, uh, it's not as shocking as a lot, I think a lot of people 
expect it to be maybe not maybe not always as sharp with its parodies. Although I will say that it it has started to pick up again in the last few mm. episodes. Episode sixteen had this like it starts off with this awesome space adventure Cobra parody. I mean, <laughs> even if you don't want even if you don't want to get back into Osamasu-san, I recommend at least watching the first segment of that of that episode 16 it's 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 great yeah. stuff i probably should check out at least like someone's recommended list of highlight episodes because i would yeah. like to see a little bit more at least but i don't want to watch a whole series i think of that uh i had <laughs> i should say the the reason i started watching it finally after being recommended it for so long um, was as part of research for my for my youtube series maho profile because of the connection that the the creator of Osamatsukun, Fuji Okatsuka, has to one of the original Magical Girl series back in the late sixties. So that was a fun oh, trip to go through. That th I love that kind of stuff. That's that's a fun kind of thing to explore for sure. Um and, <laughs> and, and the And just sorry, all, all, all the fun networks that were going on between the, the manga call back then. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah. Specifically the connection I was chasing was the fact that the character of Oh, what's her face? Totoko mm -hmm. is basically the same character design as Akochan from that anime. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I, I I never. Uh, I think now that you mention it, it's especially obvious in his original manga. But yeah, you can tell even in the animated versions. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Uh, an interesting observation that is almost certainly uh, completely valid. <laughs> um. I've also been watching Place Further from the Universe. That has been uh, that 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 one's been a lot of fun so far. Uh, great production on that one. Uh, really fun characters. Um, makes me it doesn't make me want to go to Antarctica, but I, I can I can at least appreciate uh, another character's passion for it. Although you know I, I think like the, the you know in terms of depicting female characters, uh, the show has done a fairly good job. I, it definitely helps that the show apparently has a, a female director as well. Oh, well, uh, I yeah. didn't know that. Uh, you know what? I'm actually going to double check that and edit the comment out if I'm wrong, but I believe it has a female <laughs> director. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, they're still anime characters at the end, but they're, they're, I, I find that the, the characters are, are fairly well realized. Uh, the, the, only, the only issue I have is that you have these teenagers who are just like, or the, the main character at least is, is determined not to, you know, waste her her youth which is not an attitude an actual teenager would ever have or could ever have um so you know you're 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 kind of you, have, you there's definitely that that element of, of adult projecting uh, on on a character there but it's still it's still a lot of fun <laughs> i'm enjoying that a lot um i'm still watching darling in the franks for some reason even though it's, <laughs> it's i'm not watching that but i'm really enjoying the, oh the, the Anna twitter comments oh the comment the commentary is, is worth it i mean the, the the show is pretty dumb overall, but it's you know it's still I, I, okay. It's obviously ripping elements from like Evangelion and Eureka Seven and all these different popular mecha shows from the last no like, you from don't twenty say. years. But you know, it, I, I think it's just generally satisfying to s just see that stuff on screen. Um, and then you got stuff like the doggy style doggy style pilot formation, which is okay. <laughs> the thing is that it, that is inherently funny. Um, and the show doesn't play it completely straight, but it does play it too straight. Uh, mm. I, I feel like it, you know this is this is not really a trigger production. It's more of an A one pictures production. I do feel that if um like if trigger specifically if Imaishi was directing it, I think that he would he he would pull something like a, like like that off to greater to greater effect, where you could he could really write off of the shock value mm. and and make it funny. Whereas it's just kind of it it just kind of comes off as a very poorly thought out 
uh, innuendo when with, with with the current approach. But uh, right. I mean, I mean, and the... I feel like he would be more likely to do what I think I heard the the crew at Anencast suggest. Which is to reverse the positions eventually on that. <laughs> I thought that was gonna. I thought that was gonna be as many others did. I thought that was gonna be the the uh, the big reveal that uh, that zero two. The reason that uh, main character guy performs so well when he's finally with her is that because she's actually on top uh, or behind. Um, but that's not what's happened at all. Uh, but uh, the show's, uh, you know, it's. It, it, I guess it still has a very minimal level of intrigue that just kind of keeps people watching. Uh, people still want to see just what what's going to happen next, but you know, I've already the show's already had a lot of uh, opportunity to do something interesting and it kind of squanders it each time. Mm. Uh maybe we just have I th- I think people are just giving the show a lot of goodwill because it's familiar. Yeah. <laughs> In a lot well, of ways. I think that's a big part of it. Because it's Trigger and you kind of like hope for good things from yeah. Trigger and also you think well, it's very blatantly drawing from shows like Evangelion and the yeah. like. It must be doing so for a reason, so the logic goes. Um, so it might be like, what is that reason? Which yeah, is stringing people along. Yeah, but I mean, you you have you it, it, you have this outrageous conceit behind it, and and to have it be played out so kind of dryly is is disappointing. Like the manga, at least it's done by Kentaro Yabuki. Who's the the two love rue guy? So it oh. it adds all this like gratuitous eroticism and nudity and stuff to it, which it I mean it works better because it's doing something with the concept. <laughs> um, and, and whereas the anime counterpart is just kind of uh is is just is just kind of stale uh, in in its mm-hmm. approach to it to its to its own outrageous elements. But you know I'll still keep watching it. I guess. <laughs> Uh, and anything else? Speed you. Yeah. Any, anything else you've followed lately? Uh, even non-anime? Mm, not really. I've been watching movies more than TV mm-hmm. recently. Um, I did try to check out the first few episodes of certain things, just testing out. Like, I just recently started trying out Amazon Prime, so I've also watched the first episode of Land of the Lustrous, which I intend to watch more of. Oh yes, that's um, that's a good one. <laughs> Um, as movies go, I've been trying to catch up on some of the Oscar hopefuls, which as we're recording this, the Oscars are later today, which I shouldn't care about, but I am inexorably drawn to every year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've cut myself off for, for a few years now, but, uh, I, I, I will not judge anyone who, <laughs> who follows it with, uh, with any level of enthusiasm, so. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even call it, well, I guess it has to be some kind of enthusiasm, but it's, it's more some of a kind morbid of enthusiasm. enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's still enthusiasm. Uh, yeah. But anyways, um, I also, in terms of, like, non-Oscar stuff, saw Annihilation recently. Oh, which how was it? Which kind of blew my hair back. I thought it was kind of incredible. Oh, I, I've, um, been meaning to, I, I've been meaning to see it, but I haven't had a chance yet. I understand yeah. some of the flaws of it. Like, I, I've heard some analyses of it after the fact by people who weren't quite as into it, and I, I acknowledge some of the problems they had with it, like... Specifically, I, I've heard from people who saw, say, Tarkovsky's Stalker, which is a very similar movie, which d- arguably executes the concept much better and with mm. more relatable characters. Um, and the fact that the characters in this one are kind of Americanized and militaristic in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, it's just so it's so visually and viscerally engaging that I, just, I can't discount the... 
the experience that my mind and body went through watching that movie. So, so would you recommend seeing it and then seeking out the supposedly superior ver- uh, takes on the subject later? Probably yes. Okay. Um, and I, I'm told that uh, you should check out the books that the series is based on as I, well. Yeah, I've heard it, it, it. Some people have complained about it as an adaptation, but you know, if 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 the mo- the movie does sound like a really good experience, so maybe yeah, to like see, I to went see the in movie not even... and then look into the, the books <laughs> after. In that case, yeah, like I went in not even like realizing there was a book, and it works perfectly well without one. <laughs> you can you can't tell it's an adaptation. Yeah. Uh, one thing to connect this to anime and manga a little bit, since we're getting off <laughs> off that beaten trail a bit. Oh, whatever. Um, <laughs> one of one of the 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 feelings that I got from that movie most strongly was uh, that movie invokes a lot of a lot of body horror, and specifically, I got kind of a Junji Ito vibe in the body horror for a lot of it. Neat. That kind of like organic, uh, that that kind of organic body horror. I, I guess you haven't watched uh, uh, Made in Abyss yet. Uh, not yet, but that's on my list of things to check out. Okay, well, you're gonna... It, the show delivers in that uh, area, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Word of warning, the last uh, the last three or four episodes will traumatize you and devastate you emotionally, guaranteed. Hooray! <laughs> yeah, but it's it's great, great. Highly recommended. Another one to check out on Amazon, although it probably will be on High Dive, eventually, because mm-hmm. it was uh, licensed by, by Sentai as well, but... Uh, Hi, I doesn't have an uh, like Chromecast or Roku or any anything to wa- oh, let you watch it on a great. TV yet. So I can I can hold <laughs> off on subscribing to that. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I really should get a Chromecast one of these days. <laughs> oh, it's it's a uh, it's magic. I love it so much. Um, so I, I guess uh, I haven't yet really watched much else apart from from anime. I've been been busy with work and and being sick and, and other things. I did, uh, I caught, Co- I caught, I finally saw Coco the other night. I like that a oh, lot. Oh, yes, I did too. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it, 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 I think I felt it took a while to get going, but, uh, you know, it, it, it hit all those Pixar feels, uh, in the end, and I, I think it's a good production. It was a, certainly mm. a, uh, a, a, a better Day of the Dead themed film than uh, The Book of Life was, which... Which is, it's kind of sad, because I really wanted to like The Book of Life, too. Yeah, I think and a lot of people did. It was a beautiful did. movie, but... Uh. That, it just shows that, you know, Guillermo del Toro's involvement with something does not in any way guarantee quality. Yeah, <laughs> I was, I was time. happy to yeah. see, though, that, like, the... The guy who made the Book of Life, like, which is the main reason I didn't want to hate it, because he put so much passion into that movie, um, that he was not, like, bitter that people were liking Coco lots more. He was just very happy that people were trying to promote uh, Latino culture on screen in major well, Hollywood movies. that's good. And they, they did a very good job of that as well. Uh, I think, I know they had to, they had to basically hire a co-director at some point to, mm-hmm. to sort of, uh, repurpose and, and restructure it. And I think that was the right decision. I think it, it uh, it, it brought a lot of good to the film. I, I wouldn't say it's one of the best Pixar movies, um, but, uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. It's good. Yeah, which is interesting because, like, I, <laughs> I kind of feel like I want it. I want to put it as one of my favorite Pixar movies. It's it's just a weird mix of for the first half it was like all right this is okay it's kind of predictable but it's okay and the second half is like this is my favorite Pixar movie ever. <laughs> Did you uh and, and I assume you saw um well, obviously you saw Black Panther I think uh, oh yeah that, that's that's a given at this point you for, had for to ask anyone. yeah I know right <laughs> I what what what's left to be said about about Black Panther it was it was awesome definitely one of the best <laughs> nothing <models>. that <laughs> two nothing that two random white people can offer exactly 
Uh, it's if you haven't seen Black Panther for for whatever reason, you should you should go see that for sure. Uh, and did you see what else did I catch recently that was? Uh, I, I did you see uh, Shape of Water? Yes, I did. Um, I I liked it. it. I didn't love it, but it was really cute. Um, and I really loved the production design and what it had to say and whatnot. Um, I'm probably rooting for it at the Oscars, so yeah. this will obviously come out after they've come out, so we'll see how right or wrong about that I am. Yeah, I thought um, I thought it was pretty great overall. I really enjoyed it. It was it, it, it was definitely cute. Uh, it didn't have quite as much depth as it as it maybe could have in in, in terms of its of its commentary, <laughs> but it's depth. Not, uh, I think it it still worked uh, pretty well. I I did find that compared to his last couple of movies, Guillermo del Toro did kind of he kind he kind of went fell back on the the Pan's Labyrinth uh, formula uh, quite a bit in this movie. And to be perfectly honest, I think it was for the better because I thought this is significantly <laughs> better than his last couple of movies. I'm not a I'm not a big fan of Pacific Rim and um, mm-hmm. uh, Crimson Peak is for a very niche audience. Uh, yeah. I, I will not say it was I, it was a bad movie or anything, but uh, <laughs> it, it definitely was not promoted accurately. And uh, yeah, it, it really like, it really should have been like a smaller scale release for people who are really into like gothic romance and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And and advertised as such yeah, moreover. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think expectations play play a big role in how you how you saw that movie. But I, yeah. I Shape of Water definitely uh, the best thing he he's put out in quite a while. Uh so I was I, I think so. Yeah. Cuz I I really liked Pacific Rim, but I also acknowledge that it it's not as well characterized as it could be and doesn't pack even as much punch as it could in a lot of ways. Uh but I I enjoy it for what it is mm-hmm. and what it was trying to be. Um Crimson Peak I respect more than I like. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, uh, but yeah, Shape of Water was just enjoyable. Yeah, uh, have you have you caught any anime? I, I think what what I think the only anime we've gotten in in theaters this year so far has been uh, Fate Stay Night, First Heaven's mm-hmm. Feel film. Did, did and you... of course, I didn't go see that because I'm not a Fate person, and I I heard that that movie is very like fan pandery. So I figured, well, that's not for me. I, I didn't really find that to be true. I, I I mean, I never played the game. I'm not really familiar with. I mean, I've I've seen Fate Zero, I've seen Unlimited Blade Works, uh, and I've been watching the food-oriented uh, Fate series that's been <laughs> that's been airing, that's been uh, coming out monthly, and you know I can I I've enjoyed that so far. Um, the the whole Heaven's Feel storyline is not something I'm familiar with. I still enjoyed it a lot. I did not find it to be pandery, um, the way that some people have characterized it. I don't I don't really understand where they're coming from. I think it's it, it seems to be building a narrative that that you can. That that adapts the the story in a in an engaging way, and the animation is is completely gorgeous on it. Um, but it is very much part one of three. <laughs> I, I I felt that you know even at two hours they could have introduced more of where this particular route is going, and I finally <coughs> pardon me they didn't they didn't really they didn't really do that. But um yeah, I'm looking forward to part two. I hope that we get parts two and three in in theaters here. It, it got quite a quite a hefty run. In okay. Canada, I found I was surprised. In the in the previous episode, Randy and I theorized that they may have determined the number of screenings based on how popular uh, that Fate Go mobile game is in, in different <laughs> areas, and, and it would not surprise me if that show is disproportionately popular in Canada, and they and they recognize that. Um, if if they're going to use that kind of gauge for things, I hope they do it more in the future because it mm-hmm. uh, it, it shows how concentrated the audience can be uh, at times, and that you should you know take advantage of that. I'm glad that we did get a push though. Um, as I kind of alluded to before, uh, I, I've been, I'm a little disappointed with how theatrical releases are going, 
uh, for her anime so far this year. Because there's been, there have already been, what, almost ten, or more than half a dozen in the States so far. Uh, this mm-hmm. year and and heaven's feel that was a holdover from last year technically but it doesn't seem like a lot of the stuff is is making it up here uh with with the current yeah. lineup like the the messenger movie made it up here right no it didn't no it I, didn't i yeah. thought i uh, maybe i imagined that yeah it uh i think a lot i i read of a lot of people who are in canada going to the states to see it uh but mm-hmm. it did not make it up here and to be to be honest i wouldn't be entirely shocked i i, I can kind of understand them not releasing that one in Canada because I'm kind of amazed that it even got a release in uh, in in the U.S. at all. Um, I, that's almost a questionable decision because that doesn't really have any traction. I mean, even even in Quebec, uh, it's uh, it's it's all UFO robot ro- uh, Robo Grandizer or Goldorak that's popular, not not Mazinger. I don't think even it, they they never even got Mazinger there. Um, mm-hmm. Mazinger is like again just going in as we'll go into later about uh, Go Nagai. Go Nagai has never made anything that has uh, ca- captured Western or um, North American English-speaking audiences really until Devilman Crybaby. Um, <laughs> that's 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 the first one uh, that has that has that has captured uh, the audience over here. Um, yeah, other than so, that, it's all been like fairly niche. Ve- very niche. <laughs> um, so with Ma- Mazinger, like if they if that doesn't make it up here, I can I can understand. We are getting Nanoha. Uh, later this month oh yes right yeah so i mean i probably will watch that like i think it doesn't take place in the the strikers timelines which means i could technically still watch it that's the only not i haven't seen i think that's on amazon if you uh if you haven't seen it yet what strikers i think i think all the nanaha stuff's on amazon now oh yeah yeah uh well if you want to if, if you want to get everything under your belt before the movie comes out i think i i, I, <laughs> well... I think uh i think amazon does have you covered on that um, well, I'm gonna have to get to it eventually. Maybe not this year, but eventually in my Maho profile project, we will hit Nanoha eventually. Two two other screenings that don't seem to be happening in Canada are Funimation's release of the first Eureka Seven High Evolution movie, um, and also Crunchyroll did that re-release of the second Cardcaptor Sakura movie uh, oh. that they came out, and obviously they just added it to Crunchyroll. So I at this point I'm, I'm going to assume that they're not going to roll it out in Canada, but to see those two companies not release those titles here i i think that's a little worrying for uh the potential direction of, of theatrical releases here going forward because i i mean I, admittedly from what i've heard about that eureka 7 movie apart from the the new opening that you know gives that flashback footage uh, of the uh, of the of the first summer of love um it's not really that good uh, or, or rather, as a as a movie, it's not really that good. It's mostly compiling footage from you know the the Ray and Charles episode, so a fairly strong series of episodes. Mm. But just as as like a, a compilation or re- restructuring of the series, it doesn't really work that well. I've also heard that the footage they use from the series is still in f- in four by three aspect ratio, <laughs> which is which is appallingly lazy. Because at least wow. at least in I mean, I mean okay, there's no way that this movie is going to be worse than. Uh, than the than the old movie, the first Eureka Seven movie that came out, uh, Pocket Full of Rainbows. I think it had a different title here. I can't remember what they call it. Uh, but I, that that movie is wretched, and I hate it. And it it did something very lazy in that it reused a lot of animation from the series and just kind of traced over it. Uh, but at least in the, when they did that movie, they at least formatted it to widescreen. Um, to have high evolution, just kind of keep everything in four by three. 
that that seems really lazy. Mm. I, I think it. I think the aspect ratio changes throughout the movie, but still, it it that 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 seems like a a, a hack job. But in any case, the important thing is that they were able to get a U.S. release for that film. But you know, despite the fact that Eureka Seven it aired on Bionics, it aired prominently on YTV. Um, and you know, it, the fact that they're not giving it a theatrical release, it to me it suggests that whoever was making the decisions of what theatrical releases to spread into Canada, they weren't aware of that. Um, there, there's no way that... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just thinking, like... you would know. It seems like the ones that don't make it up here are the ones that are either very obscure or that are, are known to be somewhat lesser quality. Hey, I mean, we got the Black Butler movie last year. <laughs> yeah, but Black Butler isn't obscure. It's fairly popular with the with the young female audience. It, it is, but Canada and America. Oh, for sure it is, but it didn't air on TV or anything like that. Uh, yeah. Eureka Seven, even if it wasn't like the most popular show that aired on YTV, it, it had a very prominent airing. Mm. It reached a lot of eyeballs. A lot of people remember yeah. it. If you put it in theaters, but they it's gonna... they know the manga yeah. sells well up here, probably. Yeah. But it was definitely one of the better sellers uh, when I worked at the comic shop. I have, sure. I have no doubt about that at all. Uh, so okay, <laughs> maybe Black Butler wasn't the best comparison, but um, but I, I, I mean, it, this really seems like a big oversight. Uh, Eureka Seven, Cardcaptor Sakura, they had they Cardcaptor aired... Sakura is uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, I mean, I mean, t- you you could argue that like Cardcaptor's run on television here was more successful than it run its run on the U.S in the US mm-hmm. on US TV. Um I don't know if it was d- despite the fact that we did get the whole thing I wouldn't I'm not sure if I would say it was better received. Maybe it was a little better received because we we got the whole thing. So that that definitely helps. Um but I mean it, I would wonder I would wonder if it's the fact that it's a second movie or like a sequel technically that isn't that didn't have a a release here to begin with that's throwing them off a bit. Like maybe there's enough of an audience they perceive in America to support it but not quite enough to support a, a sequel movie where the first movie didn't come out in Canada? I don't know. It Like, I think that, it, to, to me, it, it's a sign of, of, of either a massive marketing oversight on the part of both of these companies or a massive scaling back of, of getting, getting theatrical releases up here. And, mm-hmm. it, I mean, that's a little, it's kind of troubling, because, I mean, the Nanaha movie, I think, is being released by King Records directly in North America. Oh, and wow. yeah, so it's not actually being done. I wondered by any, who was doing that. Yeah, it's it's not being done by any of the specific distributors in the U.S. But the actual North American distributors are saying, no, we don't need to bother releasing this stuff in Canada. That 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 is is worrying. If um uh if if, if that's the case, and I know we'll we'll just keep our eyes on 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 what's going to happen. I I do hope that Funimation has the sense to release the free movie. Uh, up here when that when that <laughs> oh, comes out. Oh, they better that's, because like <laughs> that's I'm not a free person. But again, going back to my comic shop experience, that um, the merchandise for that sold pretty well, I'd say. <laughs> I'm sure it continues to do so. Uh, but I mean, like Eureka Seven fans, like they're not they're probably not going to be up in arms over uh, over over the movie not coming up here. But the free movie uh, yeah. not coming up here, they're you know they're going to hear about that. So <laughs> we'll uh, and we'll... I I'm going to be happy as long as those as long as those Love Live concerts keep coming up here. Yeah, that that seems to be pretty uh pretty safe uh, at this point. I think um I think people made their case pretty clear when we didn't get the first Love Live, and now it's <laughs> like okay, this is this is this is worth our time and money. So we'll we'll keep putting these up here. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, it's to me it just underlines my ongoing suspicion that you know Crunchyroll, Funimation, they just don't put any resources into market research. 
in Canada. Like, like the same, the same when you walk into Walmart, you'll see copies of Cowboy Bebop, but you won't see copies of Escaflone. Um, despite the fact that one of those shows, you know, had a prominent, aired prominently on basic cable during the height of the Pokemon craze, and the other didn't up here. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like they're just kind of slapdashing stuff from the U.S. and kind of ignoring the different way things have played out here. And the, yeah, the specific. The specific history of those shows and what people might remember. Yeah. And I mean, as we're seeing stuff unroll on Netflix, like, internationally, simultaneously, maybe that kind of thing is becoming less less important. I don't know. But uh, I think that when you ignore those differences, it's going to—it it causes—I it, I think it can spur a lack of engagement uh, with people that uh, that could just, you know, cascade into— into uh into less involvement in the market. Um Crunchyroll specifically, like they really should have a team who who focuses on Canada specifically. Like they like they do they do in Germany, they do in uh different South American countries, they do in Mexico, but not in Canada. Uh when you when you're an yeah, international Yeah, which is weird that they yeah. don't because there is a very specific and vocal fandom in Canada <laughs> that yeah. they can reach out to. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll uh we'll keep an eye on that. Things are always changing with that company. Um uh, so maybe we'll get on to, to the stuff that has been going on Netflix. There's been some interesting things going on there. Um, mm-hmm. One is, is Violet Evergarden. Uh, have you have you watched any of it so far? Just the first episode. Yeah. What what were, what what were your thoughts on that on that first episode that has created such a massive buzz since it was screened uh, for the first time? I think like a year and a half ago, or a year <laughs> and a half before it first aired. Mm-hmm. Um, I I enjoyed it. I wasn't particularly like invested in it i suppose um it was gorgeous of course but i almost feel like it's too gorgeous in a way um because like here's what i mean there's certain scenes most of the series is fairly is fairly serious from what i can tell like it's a war story after war story yeah um but there are some scenes where they try to do comedy bits like there's there's a bit like uh, somebody has that standard, like, whoa, I didn't mean it that way kind of reaction. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it almost felt like the the character model was straining against how intricate and pretty it was to make this, like, standard anime comedy reaction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, there's, there are a few things like that in it, for sure. I, I think overall, I, I do like the visual style of it. I think it holds itself together fairly well. The direction is usually effective enough to mm. uh, to... to work well with that with the high animation quality um i i find that it you know i i am watching it uh week by week when it comes out but i more and more i'm finding that i am doing that more to support the general idea of netflix simulcasting a show which again uh, yeah. they, they are doing in canada but not in in uh in the u.s or australia or a few other markets uh that i am because i'm genuinely enjoying it i'm enjoying it enough to keep watching it um but you're right it is there is something unengaging about it that uh and i think it has a lot to do with i i mean i mean the the stories you get in each episode is largely episodic and then it, it kind of goes into to violet's backstory here and there um i mean the stories are, are good enough they're they're effective enough they're maybe not as um don't offer quite enough depth for the low-key style uh storytelling and direction that they're they're trying to go for in a lot of the episodes but I mean, it, it works well enough. What I think is unengaging about the show is just they don't really sell the idea or the the importance of these of this of these auto memory dolls who uh, who who write letters to convey emotions and and sway people's thoughts and opinions and 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 relationships and, and mm. stuff. And 
and I think it kind of stems from the fact that this is all in kind of a, hit, a half-baked alternate universe. Um, yeah. Yeah, the thing is that the auto-memory dolls uh, and Violet's role as an auto-memory doll, like, that should be somehow more central to the universe that they're creating. Um, if you're going to create a whole alternate universe, like, you should structure it in a way that you can demonstrate the actual uh, dire need or or incredible importance of the women who do this auto-memory doll job. Um, and I, I feel like... Yeah, like, why would that job have developed in this universe yeah. and not, say, our own at the sim- at a similar it, it, time period? Exactly. It feels like, you know, the, the purpose of the half-baked alternate universe ultimately seems more because they want to depict a World War One that wasn't actually World War One, and they could just kind of ignore any actual... Uh, and a world where they yeah. could have, like, perfect auto-male arm prosthetics. That, too. Uh, but I mean, I, I find that if the, if it, if it had not been an alternate universe, the whole auto memory doll thing, it would not, it would feel the same. Um, yeah, like I, I just, I feel like I've seen this universe before mm-hmm. in several other similar shows that are like vaguely Victorian fantasy, steampunk, whatever. Yeah, but it's just uh, the focus is in the wrong place in, in the world building, and that that kind of that that's I think that's why it fails to sort of grab you on uh, on a substantive level at least, and. I mean, the common perception is like you know, it's 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 kind of B level storytelling with with A level animation. It does look gorgeous, but that's kind of what it's riding on up, mm. uh, up to this point. And and and, and Violet herself, um, I mean, the the whole thing with her is that she has you know these auto male robotic arms, and she acts like a machine mainly due to the experiences that she had as a uh, as a ten year old fighting in the war. Um, something that also this alternate universe doesn't seem to fully justify or yeah, i think that's that that's one of the things that bothers me the yeah. most is i just don't buy the premise of her having been engineered to be this yeah. this weapon of war like why why <laughs> this the show doesn't seem interested in answering that question even basically yeah uh, so i have a harder time buying her role in that and subsequently buying into her pathos as she is not in that life. Anymore. Exactly. And the, and the thing is that her, she acts like a machine. That's kind of the, the central crux of the series is that she is exceptionally good at the physical act of writing letters, but it's the emotional thing that the, the emotional element that she can't quite convey. And like having mm-hmm. someone act like a robot like this, is that really in line with the experiences that she's had before? I, I think that's a, uh, I think it's a bit of a poorly thought out characterization yeah. on a like few the, levels. The best, the best defense I've read of her character uh, was, I think, at the the anime feminist blog, mm-hmm. uh, where I think it was either a writer they had there or a commenter uh, describing uh, how they related to her in terms of her possibly being like on the autistic spectrum and how they felt it from that angle, possibly. Um, but even even from that, as someone who's like mildly on the autistic spectrum myself, mm. I didn't really feel it was being written that way. It was being written more from a standard like "What are love?" <laughs> what are love? Kind of, exactly? Yeah, <laughs> kind yeah. of like and, crux and, and the, for writers. The idea we're supposed to buy is that this is just because she's had like uh, she, she, she's had such an inhumane sort of. Um, just life up up until this point and she's and she's trying to get past that but that just it, that's not how it works that's not how people uh, that's not how how experiences or trauma works uh form a person's personality or um mm. or, or or how they carry themselves in life so it's it, it kind of a weird approach to that for sure i mean it, 
I still like the show. I'll I'll keep watching it. Um, yeah, but it's and it, like I, like I said, I liked that defense of her. Like mm-hmm. I, I like that she's relatable on that level yeah. to some people. I just it's not selling to me personally. Yeah. I guess. Well, that's the thing. It's not. I don't think that's the intention, though. I mean, you you can. Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah. think it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's, Although, it's a valid uh, interpretation, of course. But <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, that's it's yeah. I I do find that still my my interest in the show is fueled more by you know, Netflix is releasing this thing the way they're supposed to, so we should probably support it. But you know, if if if, if the show itself isn't isn't like like people who, yeah. for people who don't have that attitude, I I can't help but feel how they feel about watching the show. I find a lot of people are following it closely. Yeah, um, yeah a lot of people seem to be getting something out of it. Yeah. Like I've seen tweets being like reacting to the show mm-hmm. uh week to week being like oh my god violet no <laughs> yeah so somebody's uh, somebody's engaged yeah, oh, oh i for sure yeah um but yeah, I, I it'll be interesting to see because i'm still not sure why f- why netflix chose to have this show released like week by week in some markets but wait to uh to do the binge mo- binge watching model in other markets i yeah. do i do know that in the united states there is only one series that they ever actually simulcasted it was um it was a canadian show i can't remember the title of it uh, but it was the only time they ever did that uh everything else they've ever released has been you know all binge or uh it's just been binge, <laughs> binge or, or die binge or die um and, and and also australia is one market that hasn't that's you know they're waiting on the binge model but new zealand is getting the simulcast model the uk is getting the simulcast mm-hmm. model i think most of the most places in europe are getting the simulcast model there's just still a few specific markets where yeah, like nobody nobody knows for sure why i think i've heard a lot of people suspect that it might be due to whatever internal data that netflix has on whether people prefer to binge or yeah. to watch intermittently in certain territories I, I, people have also had a theory that it's like a like a a test a test a test case kind of thing to see com- mm. compare different markets and see how engagement is when you when you're watching it by simulcast or by um by binge but i mean the thing is that the fact they didn't even try this at all shows that there are people at netflix who are probably pushing for simulcast um and this may have been some kind of weird compromise that, that we wound up with there's no way of knowing i mean that, that that's yeah netflix like people in the anime sphere have been complaining for a while that not simulcasting certain shows yeah. just kills whatever hype they had when people just go out and pirate the thing instead yeah. and and, 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 wait. and it's true and there's no way that netflix is ignoring that completely or uh, or different executives or different people in charge of things at Netflix. I, I can't imagine there's a universal, mm-hmm. like, agreement on, on how to approach that. Right. Like, there's an argument to be made that, like, Little Witch Academia could have been much, much bigger than it was if it had been coming out week to week. Yeah, I only watched about three episodes of it and, and then stopped because <laughs> I was just not interested at that point. I, I should probably go back to that one. It's not, it's not bad at all, but... You know, when you have yeah, all this... it's on my it's on my list, yeah. but I've been like knee deep in other magical girl series, so yeah. I haven't made it, made it there yet. And I I've been going back and watching Kakegurui as well. Uh, although I am mm. I am resisting, I, I am enjoying it a lot, regardless of the fact that it's you know it's pretty as a gambling anime, it's it's kind of stupid. Uh, but but it's it, it's a lot of fun though. Um, Name me a gambling anime that isn't some shade of stupid. Akagi is is excellent. It's one of the best shows <laughs> ever, and and the manga just ended. Uh, a few, uh, I think, a couple months ago, and uh, it, and it was like the entire, like for the last over a decade, it was basically one game of um uh, of mahjong going for that entire like that the anime 
cuts the anime ends with that same game that has been going on for the last 10 years in the manga. Oh my but God. the the anime just cuts it off after a certain point. The manga just kept going and going and going and going. It was like the most the the most epic, the most uh traumatizing, I guess for the, for the for the individuals involved game of mahjong ever ever played. Um I should I should go probably seek out at least the ending of that manga. I'm kind of I'm kind of curious about how it all ended. Um but uh, but yeah, but with Kakagarugi, I am resisting the urge to to, to binge it. I wanna, I don't want to give Netflix mm. the satisfaction. But um, <laughs> but we're starting to see Netflix's actual original shows coming out. Obviously, they 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 don't fully fund anything. They're, these shows still have. Yeah, um, they're still mainly just a distributor. Yeah, but, they but have, yeah. you're get, you're getting shows which I guess technically would be called ONAs, um, mm. which which do not air on Japanese television at all. Um, so I mean, Devilman Crybaby was the first one that came out, and also Be the Beginning just just came out. I think a couple of days ago. I've seen nobody talking about it, so <laughs> uh, it's probably not very good, or at least it's dead. It lacks the elements that immediately grabbed Devilman Crybaby, and, and it shows that just simply releasing a sh- uh, an anime that way is not going to guarantee that it's going to take off and become some huge mm-hmm. phenomenon. But Devilman Crybaby certainly has the elements that allowed it to do so very quickly. And it, it, it is bizarre, because I live on the West Coast, and, you know, when a Netflix show drops, it shops right at midnight for me. And when Devilman Crybaby mm-hmm. came out, it's just like, wow, like, this whole thing is right here, and, like, no regular viewers on Earth have watched the whole thing yet. That is kind of weird. Like, <laughs> Like episode ten, it's just there. No one has seen it yet. Um, oh, I'm, I'm sure some people skip to the end. They're just like, "Oh, I already saw the OVA and Amon Apocalypse of Devilman, and I want to see if they do that 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 battle with Satan at the end." And they do. It is the first um, the first animated version of Devilman that mm-hmm. fully adapts the manga and right right to the end. Um, but yeah, just just launching the whole thing was it, it, they, like they haven't done that before, and it was it was it was. And kind of weird. It was a big success for them, I hope. <laughs> it I, seemed I, to be. It seemed to be. I mean, with it by the end of the next day, people were just losing their minds <laughs> over Devil Man. <laughs> like, it was so bizarre. Distant uh, Anna Twitter screaming. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, this is, and, and, and like I mentioned earlier, this is the first time a Go Nagai property has really grabbed anyone in the west i mean yeah first time a masaki yuasa production has yeah. in fact even i mean I'm, well i i don't know i mean he he's had some some success mind game is is pretty popular with i think yeah, even a lot of I, film I wouldn't fans. call that like a mainstream smash hit no it's i mean it has it had crossover success with just a lot of film fans in general mm-hmm. um and it was on netflix as well but um yeah all these things just kind of converged um in Devilman Crybaby in a way that I don't think anyone really expected. Yeah, like, I've seen, I, I've seen this show go way mainstream. Like, we, you see, like, the PewDiePies of the world talking about it even. Yeah. Like, what even business do you have talking about that? But still. Yeah, and, I mean, the thing is that Devilman has been such a huge, seminal, influential thing in Japan for so long. And, I mean, it's just been impossible to get anybody to care about it in the West. I mean, it's understandable because, I mean, you watch that old OVA. Um, mm. I mean, it has some, there's some nice animation and segments of it, uh, but it really does nothing to try and sell you on the idea of, of <laughs> Devilman at all. It just, it, it, it's really badly paced and dragged Especially out. Especially if you're watching that dub. Well, you have to watch it, dub. <laughs> you have dub. to watch the You dub. have to, if you watch it OVA, you have to watch it, dub, and I'm sure, I'm sure Discotech's gonna license that and put it out with the dub, um, <laughs> 
uh, painstakingly restored. Uh, oh I, I have God. no question that they're going to do that. Um, Please do. Those 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 old piss fuck manga UK dubs are are they 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 are worth preserving for sure. Yeah, but I mean the the OVA it only adapts a small part of it, and and of course there's the old seventies Devilman TV show, mm-hmm. uh, which that ha- that has been released. It, it has it has been released, but you know, you know it's. It, it's it's been a super niche thing. I know that since Devilman Crybaby has uh, has been launched, apparently the Devilman DVD has been selling like crazy. <laughs> um, apparently, it was number one on Right Stuff for a while, which oh which is God. insane. And I, I, I don't I don't know what people are expecting uh, with with that old I'm, show. I'm all it's... for people discovering the the silliness of 70s anime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I mean, that show has nothing to do with the manga either, and it's not because no. it's not because they were like trying to tone it down or censor it. It's because you know the the projects diverged. It started as develop, from what I understand, when Gonagai they wanted to adapt his old manga, um, which is the uh, Dante Demon thing. Yeah, Dante something. Yeah, and and they're like, okay, can you just kind of redevelop this into more of a marketable super antihero kind of thing? And he made Devil Man, and they sort of did the production work. But then Gonagai's like, oh, I kind of want to take this in a different direction, a darker direction with the manga, and he just did something completely different. With that, and and the manga is really obviously the the anime had a big impact because um, mm-hmm. it actually aired, it aired in like prime actual prime time on Japanese TV, which is something you would was was rare then, and you would never see now because nothing except for variety shows runs run at, run at those times slots mm-hmm. in Japan now. Um, but the the manga is what that, is that theme song certainly has oh, the, a longer oh. lasting legacy than the show itself. I I agree, and and the sh- and Devilman Crybaby was was right to renew that legacy and uh, mm-hmm. and, and and garner new interest through Devilman No Uta, which I am still listening to um, <laughs> constantly on my yep. on my MP3 list. In fact, that was a, a a big mistake they made was not releasing that on on iTunes. You can't actually buy the soundtrack on there. Um, oh yeah, which Anaplex is usually pretty good for. I know they they produce Devilman, and usually they 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 try to get a lot of the songs out um, for legal purchase, but they uh, they did oh, God, not they with this one. And that, yeah, that was a that was a big mistake. They're probably gonna do an overpriced CD release here at some point, and it will, mm-hmm. and it probably they'll probably do a low enough print run that it will sell, and they'll be able to say that it sold out, so they can continue continue yeah, with that practice. And- not that I would buy this, but I know that the the Japanese edition I think has a vinyl edition as well. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I I do kind of want that. But <laughs> <laughs> if only for the cover art. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um. So so, what were your thoughts? I, I mean, what what was what was your familiarity with Devilman before Crybaby came out? Mostly just as like a weird factoid, yeah. like an anime factoid. Like, wow, there this show existed and it was super violent. Yeah. <laughs> And it had a guy with funny, funny devil wing hair. Um, <laughs> I've yeah. used it as an example before, uh, just to show non-anime fans like the silliness of old anime character designs. Um, it, it it delivers in that area for sure. <laughs> other than that, the only major Devilman thing that I had in my life was another adaptation of Devilman Nouta, which was done by. Uh, perennial favorite platina jazz oh yeah <laughs> done a lot yeah, of I've great anime that. covers they, they did that a long time ago and now it's popping up in like everyone's youtube algorithm all over yep. again <laughs> because now people are going back and and uncovering this thing that was done like five years ago <laughs> uh 
yeah, the the the, yeah, the the cascading effect of the reaction to the show has 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 been crazy. <laughs> what what did you think? But of- yeah, other than that, I didn't know much. Other than I guess leading up to Devilman Crybaby, I saw people digging into the the manga to just familiarize themselves with what they were getting into beforehand. Um, and I saw the pages of the manga going around with all those those very memey shots that you've probably seen. Like, yeah, and s- oh yeah, this it's laced with drugs. Yeah, with all the all the control alt delete um, or art that looks like it may have inspired control alt delete, which yeah. almost certainly wasn't the case. Um, my understanding is that the seven they have actually cleaned. It's that's all from the first chapter of the manga, mm-hmm. and apparently that has been. That art has been revised in all the recent editions <laughs> of the Devilman manga, and that is apparently the version that Seven Seas will be putting out. So if you were looking forward to those, um, those, uh, Dang. those BU faces, uh, in, in the first chapter of our edition, we're not going to get it. Which um, I'm, well, I am looking forward to getting it because I'm, I'm very glad they're putting that out. Yeah, I, I should probably pre-order mine because it's probably going to sell out. Um, yeah, uh, Seven. I, I really, yeah. I really also want to get the the Cutie Honey edition. I can't remember if that's out already or yeah. not. I'm, I can't say that I am super interested in, in picking up the 70s Devilman TV series. I haven't really seen it, apart from mm-hmm. a few clips and the opening. But I, I'm certainly interested in uh, in the Cutie Honey original anime. Um, that's oh, always yes. very interesting I'm to looking me. forward to that. And actually, on that note, I think the closest we've ever had to a Gonagai adaptation that really got people's attention up to this point was the Re-Cutie Honey OVA. Even though it never mm-hmm. got actually released here, but I mean that that first episode of the Recuity Honey OVA, I think up until this point, that was the best thing that the 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 that was the production that did the best job of sort of selling a go and a guy property to people who may not have been familiar with it before. Right. Um, and the one that might have had the most notoriety might yeah. have been the live action Cutie Honey that. I think what was that Hideaki Anno did that? He sure did. <laughs> yeah. And the, and that movie was the reason that OVA got made. Also the with that OVA I think the first episode is the only one really worth watching episodes 2 and 3 are kind of are are, are kind of whatever. Um I hope yeah. they get I hope that gets licensed at some point. Um and there's the right. new Well with Cutie Honey Universe coming out. Yeah, I wonder how that's going to go. Um mm. I I have a hard t- like that first episode of Re Cutie Honey that's that's going to be really hard to top. Um, if they can, if they can even do something even approaching that quality for an entire series, I'll I'll be seriously impressed. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll we'll I mean we'll see. And also, it's a TV series, so I mean, what's the censorship going to be like compared to to something in the OVA as well? Right. So um, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Um, I don't I'll be surprised if 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 that can have as much of an impact as as Devilman Crybaby has, or even or even if they're trying to do that. Like as with so many as with so much Go Nagai stuff. It's just sort of contributing to the feedback loop of people who are already big fans of it and have been for for, for many, many mm-hmm. years. Because it's just so cemented in Japanese pop culture, which is something we're not in the loop on here. Right. But now I think we we're finally starting to, to be like baby steps, at least in terms of mainstream anime fans going back to those original properties yeah. after they get interested in something like Devilman. Like, there's a lot of people who've gone back to that 80s OVA and even the 70s show, like you said, and are starting to discover, like, hey, 80s anime is kind of badass. Where do you, where can I find more, please? Yeah, I, I actually didn't realize until recently that that OVA was from the 80s. It looks really good for something from the 80s. I mean, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not, like, a great production overall. Um, and, you know, if you're going back from, from Crybaby and watching that, you're probably going to be a little disappointed with it for, yeah. for in, in, in several ways, but it has some, you know, great looking moments. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that Cutie Honey Universe has a similar effect. Yeah, I, I hope so too. Uh, I, I, I am, I am cautiously optimistic about it, but, 
Mm. Um, I, I still kind of just want a, a DVD release of Rikiri Honey more because I just I just I just love that <laughs> that, that, that that first episode. It's like one of still one of my favorite things. It's so great. Um, also, I should I should random shout outs to one thing I I've watched as a result of Devilman Crybaby mm-hmm. is uh, checking out the. Uh, Chibi Go Nagai World OVA. Oh yeah, those, yeah. People screenshots of those have been floating around as well. <laughs> I didn't even know that existed before. It was it was recommended as a an alternative for people who wanted to watch Devilman Crybaby but knew they wouldn't be able to handle the gore, or the sexual violence. Uh-huh. So they would at least get a gist of who the characters are, and it's delightful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, it'll be. It's 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 just so weird how this is all has all blown up. Um, what of the series itself? What 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 did you what, what were you thinking? How, how how did you did you just binge the whole thing like really fast? It's it's kind of hard. It's kind of um, hard in, not in like to. Like two or three big chunks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, any thoughts on on the show itself? <laughs> <laughs> I know that's that's a bit that's a big um, that's a big question because there's a lot to say. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> I, I even during parts where I I wasn't fully sure how on board I was, uh, like there's some parts where the pacing feels really weird yeah. and the the logic of what is happening feels really weird. It felt very intentional, and I was willing to go along with it in any way, and it paid off in dividends. Yeah, not not er- um, not everything in the series works, but it it does a very good job of keeping you glued to the screen and keeping keeping your interest high enough that you'll keep watching the next episode. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think Netflix very much had an influence on the way what the show was produced in that sense. Also interesting is that the show does not have uh, an, an ending credit sequence at all, which I strongly suspect was a request of Netflix because they really hate Probably. you watching like the ending credits for anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is, uh, I did watch through the whole ending credits for episode nine, though. Oh, yeah, you have to for that one. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, it's not telling me to skip to the next episode. I guess there's something after the credits. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. But yeah, I... It's feelings. It's feelings is yeah. what's after the credits. Yeah. The this, this series feels like a really strong adaptation and a strong modernization mm-hmm. uh, as well. I, you know, a part of me still kind of likes more more detailed and uh gruesome looking monster designs whereas you kind mm-hmm. you, you kind of have the the more freestyle morphy uh squash and stretch kind of looks on yeah, all, the, all the monsters like, in this flat. which I didn't always like but so you, you know you can't always like a lot of the times you can't always appreciate like oh the design on the, this one monster over the design of this other monster everything kind of kind of melts together sometimes but it it, yeah. it makes an it overall. It did make some of the yeah. more gruesome moments a little easier to swallow. Though. It does, yeah, and also the the blood's all orange or yellow for some reason, <laughs> which is, which is a, a very weird choice. Um, not one I'm necessarily uh, um, opposed to. It, yeah, yeah, actually, it does. Like as gory as the series is, um, it, it does make it it does make it a little easier to swallow with uh, the stylistic choices it takes. Yeah, because it it I think that does make it a little easier for say like if you're generally not a fan of extreme gore uh maybe maybe you still don't like devil man cry baby but there's a higher chance that you'll be able to enjoy what the series has to offer while engaging with that gory material because it's not quite as visceral as it could be mm-hmm. yeah um i i really i did really like the way they did the last episode it did feel like they were crushing the entire satan thing kind of, mm. it, it felt like they were kind of rushing it by doing it all in one episode but I really like how that episode highlighted 
Well, I, I mean, it really highlights how much the Devilman manga has influenced because you're seeing yeah. you're seeing elements of other things like Evangelion uh, in there, of course. And I, I mean, the whole time I could I'll, I'll, one thing I couldn't stop thinking about was how incredibly obvious it was that this influenced like the Shin Megami Tensei series as well. Like mm. like everything in their interpretation of like, Luc- or, like Lucifer and Satan is Clamp's like, entire back exactly catalog. yeah like all that you see all of that stuff just in that one little bit of the end of the manga with with its depiction of satan it has that like that has influenced so much and i mean going guy's own take on christianity is is you know kind of half researched he has mm-hmm. the, these elements that you can tell are accurate and other stuff where he that that's like not even re- close to being correct and like his sort of half understood interpretations is like you you see that in in clamp stuff you see that in <laughs> shin megami tensei you see that you see that in, in evangelion and and all, and all that yep. stuff um, and it would, it would makes it kind of surprising for me that we had never seen the apocalyptic ending actually animated before in any other version of Devilman. It's, take, it's taken this long to get like a full adaptation of the manga, but I guess it kind of goes back to that mentality that, you know, that the old Devilman TV series was one thing, the manga was another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I did wonder, cause I've never seen like all the, the full OVAs before yeah. and I wondered how far the apoc- the one that's called Apocalypse of Devilman, I wonder yeah, how e- far even the one it. called like... Uh, Apocalypse of Devilman doesn't actually get to the apocalypse. <laughs> oh, <So>. great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just the way that they depicted the the apocalyptic elements is just so yeah. good. Like, I, I, I feel like that's... I don't have enough words to describe it, really. Yeah. It's just it, it... so masterfully constructed and, and so meticulously like planned in terms of symbolism and how it yeah. ties to everything else in the series. Ah. Yeah, it definitely definitely has a very negative perception on 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 humanity, perhaps a little more than I agree with, but you know, it's yeah. I, I, I'm Actually, willing to he- I, I'm willing to he- to, to, to hear to hear this this perspective out, so yeah, yeah, and actually, like it's it is pessimistic, but I I feel like I came away feeling hopeful just because they gave enough focus on well, well the one thing which is don't give up on caring for people. Yeah. Don't give up on doing the right thing, even in the darkest of times. That was a very strong message. Uh, but even, like, at the very, very end, you get the sense that, like, this might not have turned out this way if something had been a bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I don't know, I, that, I felt that note of slight hope in all yeah. the depression. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the whole, the whole um, baton pass... Uh, kind of symbolism it, it it shows that humanity can work but you ultimately have to rely on everyone and you know you can't always do that there's always going to be some, some some kind of outlier that'll fuck everything up <laughs> but, <laughs> and even if you even, even if that person is satan but uh... yeah like the one thing that bothers me uh the most i think is just the the implication that this will be a cycle yeah um, because, well, obviously that's taken from the original Devilman manga, from what I, from what I know. Yeah. Uh, but it's the, the fact that there's implied to be this repetition that it's inevitable that this will happen. That's a little more depressing. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing it also carries over into, specifically a rebuild of Evangelion, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that runs so deep. And of course there's also the, there was also the subtle setup for, uh, for Violence Jack at the end. I don't think we're actually going to see a, uh, Violence Jack crybaby. <laughs> That would that would be neat. I don't think that's really something that <laughs> that that anyone needs. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I wonder how many people who watched Devilman Crybaby were were encouraged to go see Violence Jack. 
<laughs> to go watch Violence Jack after that. that don't don't watch Violence Jack. It's not something you need yeah, to see. Yeah, like, I guess if they brought Masaki Yuasa and Ko back on again, I wouldn't be opposed to watching that. Well, I mean, Crybaby has been such a success, they're probably going to be looking at some way to build off and capitalize it. And, and you know, Certainly Masaki Yuasa gets carte blanche to do whatever he wants for whatever his next project yeah, exactly. is. Exactly. <laughs> I, pro- I mean, I think Netflix is probably just more interested in having a project from him than they were in having Devilman. Because um, mm-hmm. I mean, you, I, I'd be amazed if they could even that they were even able to sell Netflix on the idea of doing a version of Devil Man. It's like Devil Man. Who cares? <laughs> well, about I guess Devil Man? The, the studio was probably already planning on making it. Yeah, well, Devil Man. I mean, it's it's, beca- it's to coincide with the Goni Guy's birthday, uh, which is this yeah, year, the fiftieth so. anniversary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or is it is, is is it is it his? I think it was his birthday, or is it the fiftieth anniversary of Devil Man? It's it's a general Goni Guy fiftieth anniversary for something anyway. I've heard it called. I've just heard it called a fiftieth anniversary year. Fiftieth anniversary of what? He's not. He's, I, that, he's, he's much I'm older than fi- like, he's much older than fifty. <laughs> um, oh, his fiftieth anniversary as a creator. That's what it is. As a oh yeah, as a creator. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but uh, th- this kind of goes back to the most important aspect of it, though. Whereas Devilman Crybaby was this simultaneous international release. Uh, that kind of, in a lot of ways transcended national borders, which I never think, I, I'm always reluctant to say that because Netflix doesn't, you know, really transcend national borders. They are, a, they are a, an American company that's based 100% in the U.S. that is just, happens to be available in many, in many countries. But mm-hmm. this is kind of the first time we've seen this with any anime. Um, and I, I, I think it's neat. That something was able to be this be, be be this kind of equal simultaneous success everywhere at once, um, it, it yeah, just a literal worldwide phenomenon. Yeah, li- literal worldwide phenomenon. Which obviously, you know, part of my goal on this show is to sort of cra- to to sort of you know flesh out the narrative and uh and, and sort of establish the the distinct importance of anime fandom in Canada specifically. And then, but with Devilman Crybaby, when you have something that's just simultaneously everywhere at the same time, you're, 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 it, it feels like we, if we're going to see more stuff like this in the future, and I mean, like, it, it's hard to say if, if anything will ever replicate the success of Devilman quite, uh, quite so well. Um, I mean, are we, are we moving past this idea of, of things having specific impacts in different countries? I mean, probably. I think you, you could probably argue that we've already moved past that, but. Mm. Well, there's definitely going to be still, like, different impacts in terms of how people are going to receive it. But yeah, in terms of, like, a specific experience of it being, like, a bigger like a bigger deal or only available in certain areas, it's going to happen less and less, I think. Yeah. Well, uh, this will be interesting to keep an eye on. Um, I know that Be the Beginning uh, just launched. What other... Netflix said that they're launching, like, 30 anime this year, which is... Yeah. Obviously, they're not 30... ONAs that they're doing. They're like, that's gonna, including the, just, the, the stuff yeah. that they've licensed. But, um, I, I can't, I, have we heard about what they're gonna do next? I don't think we have. Yeah, I don't think so. It'll be, uh, well, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. All right. Well, uh, Aaron, I think, uh, I think we can probably wrap it up there. Uh, thanks a lot for coming on. Where can, uh, people find you on social media? Ah, uh, you can find me on twitter.com slash Aaron Cerise and youtube.com slash Aaron Cerise if you enjoy. Idols and magical girls and 
floof and politics, um, <laughs> you can you can follow me on either of those services. The odds are good that you enjoy one of those things. Uh, thanks a lot <laughs> for tuning in to Zon in Canada. You can reach me on Twitter at jbetteridge or email zonincanada at gmail.com. The theme song is by Ultra Kleistron. That can be found on his album Packet Flood, and you can buy that at ultraclaistron.com. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, or your podcast app of choice. Uh, and leave a rating or review if you have a chance. That would be really great. Um, if you know anyone who might like this show, please recommend it to them. See you again. <laughs>